there, folks, and welcome. Welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zivna Kajimam, again. And this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Native Shark, which is an online platform for learning Japanese. And what Native Shark do is they make learning Japanese really, really simple. So you just show up, click a button that says study now, and the platform will then show you exactly what you need to learn next based on your progression. Now, this may sound simple, and in practice it is, but the way it's designed means that students who use Native Shark once a day for four to five months can complete the equivalent of over two years of university study. And what they're also unique in is that they teach all of the types of Japanese that you wouldn't normally get in traditional schools or textbooks. And if you've ever studied with one of the more common textbooks that foreigners usually pick up, you've probably noticed that there are a lot of sentences or conversations in there that you'd never really hear in real life, and vice versa. Some of the stuff you actually hear when you're out and about in Japan is never really covered in these traditional textbooks. So this isn't the case with Native Shark. It's very well grounded in everyday spoken Japanese, whether it's casual or formal language. And you can really expect, like one of the students writes in their reviews, you can really expect to be picking up the sort of little nuances that no one would expect a non-native speaker to use. And that's pretty rare for most Japanese courses. So yeah, really, really useful platform. And since you've heard about it here on the podcast, you also get an extra little bonus. If you sign up using the URL nativeshark.com forward slash NTI, we'll link to it in this episode's show notes. That's native without an E, so N-A-T-I-V shark, or one word, dot com forward slash N-T-I. Use that link to sign up and you'll get a double length free trial. So two weeks free instead of the one. And you can sign up for that free trial without having to put any uh, credit card or anything of the sort in there. So give it a go. You won't regret it. All right. So before we dive into today's episode, which is another recording of our Wednesday Clubhouse and now also Facebook Live, Japan Real Estate Chat Rooms, just a quick shout out and a big thank you to everyone who's been leaving reviews on the iTunes store for this podcast. It really makes our day every time we read one of those. And I thought I'd also share a couple of you, uh, a couple of them with you today because we haven't done that in a while. And also because hopefully it might encourage you to pause for a second and do the same we'd really appreciate it okay so simon james from australia writes amazing content this podcasts are the best source of information for investing in the japanese real estate market also if you're looking to invest in japan i can recommend Ziv as a genuine uh, realtor well not realtor simon buyer's agent uh, so thank you for that and another one this one from the showing in the u.s no BS, straight to the most useful info. Thank you. I'm a Japanese permanent resident with real estate investing and management experience in the US. So I only really need information specific to Japanese markets, not necessarily general real estate investing information and strategies. And this is absolutely perfect. Ziv cuts to the chase and is up on the most current information and market trends, lending, etc. And the episodes are clearly titled to access the information you need most. I have not found anything else like it. Thank you, Ziv. Amazing content. Well, thank you, um, folks. Again, really appreciate your kind words and reviews, and mainly the fact that you actually took a minute or two of your precious time to write them. So if you'd like your review to be featured next, please do the same. Hop over to the iTunes store, leave us a short written review, or even just a star rating. Your word of mouth means the world to us, and it does help us reach more people. So we're really, really, truly grateful for it. Okay, so for today's episode, we've got another nice long clubhouse again uh, chat for you. And on this episode, we've got Parker Allen joining us. He's the second half of the Aki Andy Naka team. So you're already familiar with Matt Ketchum, if you've been listening to the podcast, the other co-founder of Aki Andy Naka. 
And together they answer some questions on the challenges of doing it on your own. So looking for homes in the Japanese countryside, in particular uh, vacant or abandoned homes via Akia Bank websites and local municipalities. And then we take some questions from the audience on foreclosed properties, which are sold mainly via court auctions here in Japan. Again, how one gets access to them, what are the risks and various challenges involved in doing this on your own. And other questions regarding larger commercial spaces in Tokyo, freehold versus leasehold land. Leasehold land does exist in Japan. It's not, the, uh, it's not very common, but it does exist. Uh, renovation costs of these spaces, zoning regulations, and even farmland restrictions, and much, much more. So a really in-depth conversation about a variety of topics. Really one of the deepest dives we've had to date. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you again on the other side. And, and Parker, we've got you on. Welcome. I'm going to do a quick introduction. Yes, yeah, so my name is Parker Allen. Uh, together with Matt, I'm a co-founder of Akian Inaka. I also run a PR consulting firm, Parthenon Japan. Um, so Matt and I started Akian Inaka last August. Uh, we specialize in helping uh, people in the international community uh, delve into the... Japanese countryside, and we specialize in finding the weirdest damn properties that are out there. So, uh, thank you for letting us join the discussion today. Cool, thank you for joining. Um, okay, and this is just an open Q and A forum. Um, you know, anyone in the audience can can feel free to ask um, a question uh, a question if they have um, about either purchasing, investing, or uh, akia type properties that Matt and Papa are, are more familiar with. Um, Sometimes when the audience is small, uh, this is uh, we just we'll just ask questions amongst ourselves and discuss amongst ourselves um, the ins and outs of property because this is also recorded for Ziv's podcast. Um, Ziv, do you want to give a quick plug to your podcast so people know where to find this? Yeah, so we're the uh, Japan Real Estate Podcast. We're the only ones out there, um, as far as I'm aware. And we can be found uh, anywhere, really. So if you just Google Japan Real Estate Podcast or look in the iTunes Store or um, on Spotify, Amazon, uh, Japan Real Estate Podcast is all you need to look for. And we discuss uh, everything. We started with a focus on uh, buyer's guides and investment properties, but we've very quickly branched out to anything to do with real estate in Japan. And um, I think we definitely need to have a, um, an episode coming up with uh, both of you guys, with uh, Emil and Matt or Emil and Parker, whoever wants to uh, do the uh, talking and, and introduce you on the podcast as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, look, as, as we were saying just before we kind of kicked off the, uh, the introduction, um, one of the, again, a relative of, uh, of my wife's uh, inherited some land in, in Tochigi. Um, it's actually in uh, Higashihara uh, Nasu Shiobara in Tochigi. Um, the postcode is 325034. 325034 is the postcode. Um, Part of it is mountain. I think about you know maybe five to seven hundred square meters of it is mountain, um, and three or three hundred meters square meters or so is is residential land. I don't know if there's a house on it or not. I think there is not, or if there is is one, it's, it's it doesn't classify as a house or qualify as a house <clears throat> to be lived in. But they want to give it away. It's like they, we don't want to deal with it. Um, it's not worth anything to us and not worth the headache. But, uh, I, but I also know that they're not very familiar with anything related to potential costs of just 
acquiring it or receiving it for, you know, um, or just dealing with it. So I, I was kind of curious, um, what are some of the potential, like, so if, if, for example, I'll say, hey, I'll raise my hand and say, I'll take it, um, give it to me, I'll, I'll take it off your hands for free. If I were just to have a piece of land there, what are some of the costs I could, you know, have to deal with just by owning land in that area, like rural land? That's a good question. Uh, long story short, unless it's a massive piece of land, the taxes actually aren't really that high. Uh, when you transfer the ownership, uh, there are some costs that are associated with registering the real estate. Uh, we actually work in partnership with a real estate registration specialist called STK Properties. And uh, the procedures are pretty straightforward. Uh, of course, everything is in Japanese. And when you do register the real estate, it's one of those things that you could do yourself, but it is a massive pain in the ass. So it is best to use a specialist. Uh, usually the fees associated with the transferring ownership of a property uh, outright, you know, not with a real estate transaction or anything, are usually somewhere between uh, 200 to 400,000 yen, depending on the how many uh, parcels are included in the property. Uh, and, and that means so each parcel is registered separately. And so you might just have one parcel, you might have 10 parcels. Usually it's like two to five. Uh, but that'll also kind of depend on the level of uh, complexity in uh, registering the property. Then after you've done the registration, the major uh, annual expense is the fixed asset tax. And the fixed asset tax is based on the uh, assessed value of the land. And thankfully for uh, the majority of properties in Inaka or the countryside, uh, this amount is not very high. Uh, depending on the size of the land, uh, I'm guessing you'd be looking at somewhere between 50,000 to 200,000 yen a year annually in fixed asset tax. Other than that, though, uh, I mean, those are your sort of running costs, and uh, there might be some other expenses depending on what kind of land it is. But uh, that's actually a really good area. Ironically, uh, I was just up there uh, over the weekend to go to the onsen, but... Uh, it's a really beautiful area. Um, this particular postcode is actually really close to the uh, the interchange, uh, so you're right, probably about five to ten minutes away from the expressway exit, the Nasu interchange on the Tohoku Expressway, and so you're looking at a piece of property that's actually very easy to access. Uh, of course, it'd be very interesting to see if there are any. Existing structures that could somehow be used because uh, the one thing about uh, a lot of the properties that we end up introducing to buyers are properties that have existing construction on them because building something, anything in Japan to a degree of quality is, you know, you're going to be looking at, you know, uh, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million yen and up, depending on the scale of the building that you're going to be creating. But um, there are some options that come in under 10 million yen, but to build something decent, it's going to cost, you know, at least around that. So with that in mind, if you've got something, anything that can somehow be used, that's almost always a better deal. But of course, uh, figuring out what that is, I mean, obviously, if, if, if it's a barn, then there might be limited uh, utility to that. But even if you've got a small house to work with, um, 
you know, I think uh, Japanese people can be surprisingly pessimistic about uh, how you can rejuvenate these places, but uh, Japanese construction is actually extremely sturdy. Uh, we do um, proper building inspections on a lot of the properties that we introduce to potential buyers when we're at the offer stage. And this is also something that can be done for under $1,000 to get a proper a licensed architect to come out and do a building inspection. And most of the time, we end up with some things that need to be fixed or remedied. Sometimes there are structural issues that need to be addressed. But, I mean, almost 100% of the time, whatever needs to be done is still going to be cheaper than ripping it down and building a new structure. Because uh, one of the things is uh, demolition also costs money. So depending on the size of the building that needs to be demolished, you're looking at you know one to three million yen in demolition fees. So you have to tack that on in addition to the cost of any new construction. So obviously, you know whatever you do, it's going to cost some money. Uh, I would say if you want to somehow utilize an existing structure that's in some state of repairable existence. I'd earmark about, you know, say five to seven million yen to do something decent. But I mean, you can get in under that maybe three, four million yen. But uh, these are about the numbers you need to be thinking about. But uh, as far as just obtaining the property and having it, um, I mean, that is that itself is probably going to cost, you know, 500,000 yen ish. And then, you know, say a uh, thousand bucks a year in uh, your tax bill, uh, why not? It's Nasu. It's a beautiful area. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you for that. I'm, I'm not too familiar with uh, with the area at all, and I just calculated the, all the blocks of land. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven parcels in total, um, and they come to uh, 1,200 square meters, roughly. That's a pretty decent size. Yeah. Um, so I think only two or three parcels of it are residential then just maybe 300 to 400 square meters is residential, and the rest are, are like, I mean, yeah, it's a typical uh, residential zoned land, and the, the rest is uh, mountain zoning. That's Do you have any idea of what, like, how mountainous that is? No, but just looking on Google Maps for that area, it doesn't look like mountainous. It's no, it is. It's classified as forest. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not very mountainous. It's just uh, that's how they classify it. And I mean, basically, the whole Nasu area is originally forest. So I, I'm sure what you're looking at is uh, land that was forest and they've developed some residential plots. And a lot of people bought these properties. Uh, somewhat speculatively uh, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so you've got a lot of properties like this who are owned by people in the Kanto region, in Nasu and in Kaduizawa and in Atami and, you know, just all over the place. But uh, Kaduizawa has gone through the roof now, hasn't it? Sorry, what's that, Ziv? I'm saying Karuizawa, we've just been looking at some holiday homes for uh, customers there. Karuizawa is um, very trendy at the moment. It is, it is. And especially, uh, one thing that we're looking at for our clients is uh, a lot of our clients, they're not too married to a specific area, but they want to purchase something that, I mean, with Inaka, it's hard to determine whether a certain area is going to raise in value, but... One of the things that we like to look at are sort of those second-tier resort destinations. 
And obviously, you've got places like Atami and Kariza, which are on fire right now because a lot of people are looking to get out of Tokyo due to the COVID pandemic. But you've also got these second tier areas like、uh, lots of areas in Tochigi, including Nasu, are included in this. And they're not as expensive as these you know, super resort destinations, but there's a lot of cool stuff to do. I mean, there's, you know, Beer factory tours to be gone on. There's lots of farms and lots of family friendly attractions, as well as, you know, onsens out the wazoo. So, I mean, Nasu is actually a pretty interesting place to hang out. It's, it's very, uh, it's, uh, it's rural, but it's also very gentrified in a sense. I mean, it's really,、um, In, in the UK, you've got the Cotswolds, which is an, a designated area of natural beauty. And、uh, I think Nasu,、uh, looking at the topography, is actually very similar. I've got a,、um, I've got a question from Raymond、uh, in the audience. He's on a train now, so he can't really speak, but he's got a question. If、uh, I can float that to the panel. Let's do it. Yep. So, Raymond's looking at、uh, potentially getting into、um, foreclosed properties. And、um, I, from my limited experience, I know that these in Japan are mostly、um, sort of court step auctions. But he's,、uh, he's brought up a site that I've seen before as well, 981JP. Yeah. yeah.、Um, do you guys have any feedback on that particular site or on auction and foreclosed properties generally or overall?、Oh, Well, Parker, do you want to take this or can I throw away? Oh, yeah. So, how about you start and I'll fill in the blanks? Right on.、Um, so, my personal experience,、uh, both just kind of digging through the data myself, but also knowing people who have purchased on foreclosed properties, aka K buy, is what they're usually referred to as,、uh, it's risky as hell. It's super cheap. So, that's cool. That's a good thing. If you've got some money to throw around, you kind of don't really care.、Uh, yeah, why not? Um, the issue with K by bar none is the fact that you're buying sight unseen. You, can't, you, you cannot enter the premises and inspect what it is that you're buying. So you're more or less going on the word of whomever it is that you're, whichever representative it is you're speaking with.、Um, so if you like, if you, like、uh, you know, danger and adventure and things like that, <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good way to. You know, spend $20,000 or so. Whether or not you're actually going to see a return on that,、eh, I, I mean, it's not even that I can't speak to it. It's that it's, it's a complete crapshoot. So, far as my experience is concerned, Parker might have more to say on that. Yeah, you know,、uh, getting into the foreclosed properties is kind of like investing in Dogecoin. <laughs> In that uh, you, you might uh, find a, a really good in and you can find really good deals. The biggest thing you got to be w- worried about with foreclosed properties is foreclosed properties get foreclosed on because they're not paying their fixed asset tax. And so that's what causes the for- foreclosure. And、uh, so, in this situation,、uh, obviously, these properties、uh, oftentimes haven't been maintained.、Uh, sometimes you've got the、uh, owner who will squat and you have to get them out. And、uh, obviously, you want to determine what the situation is. On that side, with any sort of transactions like that. The other major thing you have to be ready for is obviously you cannot finance on a foreclosed property. So you have to have cash in hand ready to you know, pay the,、uh, whatever the、uh, hammer price is. And so it's,、uh, 
it's definitely more involved than your uh, typical, you know, Inaka transaction. I would say if this is your first foray into Japanese real estate, maybe give it a pass. I mean, this is this is something to do like for your, you know, second, third, fourth transaction. Uh, me personally, I've bought two pieces of real estate in Japan. Uh, would I do it if the right deal came across? Maybe, but still, I mean, the thing is, is that I mean, you're saying you wouldn't know if it's the right deal, right? Like you wouldn't know if it's the right deal until you actually purchased it. Exactly, and so you're really sort of rolling the dice on that one. And obviously, it's a good deal, but uh, I mean, even if it's a good deal, if it ends up being a dumpster fire, uh, it could be actually quite difficult to offload it. So that's another thing you have to think about. Yep. And then another follow-up question from him is: How do you guys find your um, your Inaka properties? I mean, I know that I often see them on the Akia Bank websites or some of the normal property websites. But are there any more specialized resources specifically for Akia and Inaka? Let's let Parker run with this one. This is his first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean. With what we do, so we've basically turned the traditional real estate business model on its head because traditionally, uh, real estate agents work on a 100% transaction success fee basis. So you don't have to pay the real estate agent anything until you close on a property. So from the customer perspective, uh, that's of course great, it's cheap, and there's no risk. And so especially if you want to go around, you want to kick tires, you want to see what it's like, uh, of course you can go ahead and do this. But the reason why Akia and Inaka exists is because this process is, uh, I mean, it becomes a lot of work for the prospective buyer because you cannot go to just any old real estate and say, real estate agent and say, I want to buy a property in Inaka. They'll either tell you to go away or they'll uh, basically bring you towards an area with higher priced properties. But uh, obviously, going out and looking at these properties, especially if they're far apart from each other, is a very cost-intensive journey. And when you're dealing with a countryside locale that you're not that familiar with, there's a lot more research that you have to do. So if you're working with a traditional real estate agent, they're not getting paid to do this, so they're not really very motivated or enthusiastic about doing it. So what we do at Akia and Inaka is we actually have made our service based on research and consulting. So our clients do pay us for research. Uh, they pay us uh, to assist them through the walkthrough process and uh, to assist them through the transaction process as well. So. Actually, we are not real estate agents. Instead, we work in partnership with a real estate agency. And really what we do is we take out all of the sort of uh, difficult parts of going through and dealing with real estate agents and, and having to uh, explain yourself to these uh, oftentimes less than enthusiastic to work with foreigners, rural real estate agents. And uh, we really take out a lot of those sort of question marks and difficult situations that people get themselves into. I mean, and we've even heard stories of people who are fluent in Japanese, who have lived in Japan for decades, go to, for instance, somewhere in the Boso Peninsula in Chiba to the real estate agent who has a property and say, I want to buy this, here's the money, let me buy it. And they told them no. Yeah, that's and, been our experience know, as well. Yes, and so this sort of stuff happens. and. Uh, 
it, obviously, you know, every situation is different. And that's not to say that you can't do this. Obviously, lots of people do. But what we do is we want our clients to make a good investment and we want them to look at each property with all of the information that they need in order to make a decision whether or not that it's a good idea for them. And so obviously with our service, you'll pay more, but you do get what you pay for. And we have very high client satisfaction because we take out a lot of the guesswork and the BS that you have to endure when you're going through this process on your own. Understood. So to, to answer Raymond's question, um, obviously one of the options would be um, to go through you guys, but um, for somebody who does want to do it on their own, where would they actually, I mean, putting aside for a moment whether the agents will work with them or not, and uh, whether it's going to take a lot of driving or not, where, what are the resources that you would normally be accessing just to get a, a, you know, um, a short list of, of potential properties? Is it the normal websites, the Akia banks? Do you contact agents in particular areas directly or is it all of the above or is it something else? I'd say the contacting of the agents is maybe like step 1.5, if not step two. The first step is, as you just said, you know, with the Akia banks, go to sumo, go to homes.com or .co.jp. I mean, a lot of, maybe not a lot, but at least a, a certain percent of what we go through is the publicly available information. One of the major problems with it, though, that anybody will run into is that the data behind all of this is very, very poorly maintained. And so if you find property X on Sumo and you also find it on homes.co.jp or another, really any website, right, they're not going to be the same, or at least frequently they aren't, right? And so there's a whole lot of pain that goes into figuring out what the hell it is you're actually looking at in the first place. Well, I would also say that, you know, the first step in any of our consultations is trying to determine one or multiple candidate areas. And really, this is where you have to start. Because if you're trying to look, you know, everywhere in Kanto or everywhere in Tohoku or everywhere in Kansai, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And so I think if you want to do it, uh, the smart way, you really want to look at different areas and start to understand different areas. You go out there, drive around, look, uh, sort of get a sense for, you know, is this the sort of place you'd like to own property? Is this the sort of place that maybe you could start an Airbnb? Uh, what's this area like? And then from there, you can figure out what resources are available in that local area. Because each local area, you know, each local district has their local IKEA bank. Uh, each locality has their own local real estate agents who oftentimes are in charge of a lot of the properties that are on the market, but not always. And um, I would say if you can find an area, then that's a good place to get started. Also, in terms of you know people who are willing to help you for free, uh, real estate agents are not often going to be very helpful for the international market. I would say the one glimmer of hope in you know, just knocking on the door and, and trying to get some progress are the local Akia banks because they are obviously local bureaucrats and some Akia banks are super helpful. Some Akia banks are absolute garbage. Uh, most, most. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you can find a helpful Akia bank, then uh, they will help you. And uh, you, know, you can go and look at properties and you know, you can get started. Uh, on, on that note, Parker, actually, uh, with regards to helpful Akia banks, out in Chiba, the Nagara district, 
which is what directly west of uh, Mobara, is extremely helpful and very, very open uh, to speaking to pretty much anybody uh, who is interested in Akia or just even you know moving out there kind of thing. So that's that's definitely one spot that we think of as you know, kind of uh, shining sort of example of the good sort of things that can happen uh, with regards to Inaka investment. Yes, and uh, sorry, I actually have to jump off because I've got a conference call at two, but uh, thank you to everyone in this channel today for listening to our discussion, and if anyone is interested in checking out Akia and Inaka, you can find us pretty easily at akiainaka.com or uh, look at the bio of myself or Matt, and you can find the links to our social profiles as well. Uh, thank you so much for including me in this discussion. Uh, I hope uh, you guys have a, a great discussion after I'm, I've hopped off. Thanks. For, and a thank you from Raymond, too. He also has to go to an appointment at 2 o'clock, but uh, he said thank you very much for the info. Go for it, Emil. Oh, thank you so much. It was great meeting you. And thanks for all your, your pointers. I'll see if I can get that parcel of land. Um, you can try to introduce Tracy. She said she's moving around, so she might not be able to respond, but you can give it a shot. Sure. Okay, cool. And we've got Tracy who's joined us, uh, the Minpaku Queen. Uh, so Tracy runs a uh, short-term rental. Um, you know, uh, or In Japan, we call it Minpaku. Um, people often understand the uh, Airbnb-style properties as that, but there's a lot of different platforms and, and methods that you can do short-term um, rentals under one month. Uh, so Tracy is a consultant and also a uh, short-term rental uh, property manager. Uh, so uh, anything Minpaku-related, short-term stay-related, she can definitely help answer your your questions. Um, yeah, but let's we can uh, kick it on. Does anyone else have any other questions uh, about the process? I found it quite interesting the uh, discussion we had about the uh, foreclosed foreclosed type properties. Well, if, so if if we want to kind of riff on that a little bit more, or at least I kind of do. <laughs> Um, I do know a few people who have purchased them um, and have turned it into, you know, like, a, I'm not sure if success is in the terms of, like, billions of dollars and stuff like that, but they managed to pay it off just via turning it into uh, not an actual Airbnb, but, you know, mean Paku kind of situation within two to four years, right? Um, it's It can work, but again, it's highly, highly, highly risky. It's It's... You know, it's, it's kind of fun and whatnot, but at the same time, like, you literally cannot know what it is that you're getting yourself into until you make the purchase. So That's the that uh, foreclosed properties you're referring to. Yes, but, yeah, right, the K-by kind of thing. Yeah. Matt, um, are your foreclosed properties uh, that you're talking about, are they sort of in the more the, the, the rural areas or within Tokyo? Uh, not in, so keep in mind though, when I first moved to Japan, I was in super rural coastal Iwate. So when you say Inaka in rural, I immediately think of that, <laughs> which is not Izu. Like Izu is certainly far, far less metropolitan than Tokyo, Yokohama, like these sort of places. And it does qualify as Inaka, but again, I kind of always immediately think of middle of absolutely okay. nowhere. When that I'll, comes I'll up, be more specific. Uh, 23 wards of Tokyo. Uh, outside of that, but we're talking, you know, 90-minute driving distance outside of Shinagawa, let's say. Okay. Yeah, right. I think one thing to, to really clarify with, with questions that we have from, like, you know, from Raymond, I think he, he had to message you, was when he's talking about foreclosed properties, uh, is he really looking at sort of in Tokyo 
or outside. Super good question. Yeah. Super because good I, question. Because yeah. I've had lots of clients ask me, look, you know, because my focus is on in Tokyo. So most of the properties I deal with are between 50 million yen and 150 million yen. So like on half a million. So no, 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 not, not foreclosed. I don't deal with foreclosed properties. Um, but oh, typical, okay. my typical client, right? In, in Tokyo, the yeah. ones often that are just looking to buy a, their own family home, 50 million to a half, like, so half a million uh, US dollars to 1.5 million US dollars is kind of the range. I mean, if you're looking for a family home in, in Tokyo, that's kind of what you're looking at. And some people think, look, I want to get a cheap place in Tokyo. So a lot of the stuff that, like, even a foreclosed one, right, there's businesses that are, like, when they just ask that off the bat, it's okay. If you're looking at that sort of in a place where you can do a cash purchase, right, and often people like that are looking to save money. So most likely they're not going to have, as I say, people that are on a mission to save money are also not looking at, you know, 20, 30, 40 million yen type properties. Uh, well, I mean, it, it always depends on the case, right? But yeah, generally speaking, I, I yeah, I'm, yeah. That, that well, being said, like pretty much everybody that I know who has purchased via K-Buy, via like a foreclosed property, comes in at between, two, like get this, between two and four million yen. <laughs> That's it. Um, and these are not, we're not talking about Bissell, we're not talking about, you know, actual houses, right? We're by and large talking about corporate retreats from companies that back in the 80s, you know, could take their not even their clients, their, their actual employees for, you know, a weekend or, you know, whatever the hell it is they wanted to do. And so these, we're talking about like three, four story, uh, you know, like complexes, right? And these go for, again, between two and four million yen. Most of the time, they're a pretty heavy fixer-upper, right? They are convertible, but you've got to throw probably another 10 or so mil into it post-purchase. But again, everybody that I know who has done it, and it's, you know, three people, basically, so I'm not talking from a huge uh, kind of database of information, um, but three people that I know who have done this, between two and four years, they've managed to con- managed to have it pay itself off. Oh, yeah. So I my, guess what that's I what they're looking for. Yeah. yeah, so what I wanted to clarify was, you know, it's important to ask that question because yes. that dynamic is if they're looking, if they are looking at property hunters in Tokyo, and rather than pay market price, they're trying to get a place, instead of paying 70 million yen, they're trying to get a foreclosed place for 40 million. You're gonna, right? you're literally aiming a shotgun at your foot, if not both. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's not something that people with 40 million yen cash are actually able it's to, just, like, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't match up, right? And then yeah, that's exactly. why it's, 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 it's as, and I mean, this is the crazy thing that I think all real estate agents work with, you know, regardless of Yakia or super new builds, Mori family and stuff like that is, Jesus Christ, what the hell is it that you're actually working with? What are the land values? Guys, be, before we, values? um, be, before we continue, we've got Miko on the stage. I think she uh, might've had a question there. Miko? Yes, I do. Uh, so... It's kind of related to what you are talking about now, actually. Um, so I'm currently looking, I'm not in the me- immediate future, but maybe within the next couple of years, I'm looking to buy a space uh, for purchasing. Um, the idea is that I'm going to build a, a maybe, oh, I don't know, 150 or 170 square meter space for a commu- creative community arts center and also with a cafe in it and um 
So I, my idea was what you were saying, Emil, is to uh, take a older building in Tokyo and to remodel it. But also, like other people are saying, is that the Japanese are very quite pessimistic about doing that.、Um, it's really hard to get them to say, "Oh no, you can, you can't," you know, or to not say you can't do that because it's going to fall down and the inside is old. You're better off knocking it down and making it again. So.、Um, I guess what I'm I'm wondering is、um, I am eyeing a potential property though I don't think I'm going to be able to buy it but、um, it's in Utenji and、uh, as far as I know it was built in the 70s、um, it's a perfect kind of shape and、um, layout that I would like to remodel but、um, one there's also the cost、uh, the whole entire property is almost equivalent to a million dollars. And、um, what what the renovation might look like?、Um, just as a inside tip, my husband is an architect. He's licensed in America, and he has、uh, friends in Japan that are also architects that could help sign it off if he designs it. But、um, so the design fee might be less. But I'm wondering at what kind of、um, if I bought a property like that and. There was somehow an okay to remodel it. I don't know how you convince a Japanese person to say that it's okay to remodel it. But、um, what kind of costs would I be looking at? Do you say for、um, in, on top of the brokerage fee and remodeling and construction?、Um, I don't know what else other kind of fees there might be involved. But so, can, let me just give sort of the, the general. Well, I've got a few questions I want to clarify first, and then the general.、Um, Uh, numbers based on that. So, is this a the building you're looking to buy? So, in, when you're talking Utenji, right? So, that's on the, the Toyofa line.、Um, so, a very prominent area. So, my first thing was when you're looking at a place that big. Is this probably about 150 square meters?、Uh, yeah, I can bring、oh, up、no. the. Let me. I can look at the、yeah. um, specs again. Sure.、Um, um, as I got the PDF file for it. Yeah, I think the the, big, the two big ones are look, how old is the building, right?、Um, let me let's so, see here. Sure. Okay.、Um, and well, whilst we do that, I'll also just talk about some other stuff.、Uh, generally, the closing costs, if you were to purchase it, are about five percent. Okay.、Um, they three percent will be agency fee, the standard,、um, and then the rest are the、uh, the, the、um, land tax,、uh, scrivener fee,、um, any type of insurance. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to get a, a bank financing for this. Looking at it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at doing that.、Um, I, I'm just my options are kind of they're open right now, so.、Um, okay, so、yeah. the the big the big one is okay. If you want to go financing, right? If you can get the financing for it, is is it going to be financed as a residential property? Are you going to live there, your primary residence, or is it going to be a business? Okay, and、uh-huh. the big difference between these two are, if it's re- if it's your primary residence, you can get 100% financing for the property, and interest rates are very low, about you know 0.7%, for、mm-hmm. example.、Um, and you could also get, depending on your income, right? So to get,、uh, you can borrow about seven times your gross annual income if you're a salaried employee, right? And that's you know that's you said you were your husband is also if it's a combined household income, so. To get a hundred million yen, right? So you said it's almost a million dollars equivalent. So a hundred million yen for this property, your your combined household income needs to be around fourteen 
million yen, right? So fourteen times seven is a hundred million. Is about a hundred million. So that's that's what the banks will will kind of give you. Um, uh, and then you can, if you can, actually borrow more. For example, if your income was sixteen or seventeen million yen, your household income, you could actually get another um, a ten million yen or so of renovation loan. Okay, included. Okay. Um, now, yeah. So assume about say five percent closing costs. That's on any home purchase. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, with a typical agency, renovation costs in general, if you do like for a house, because I, I don't know this property, I don't know what you may want to change in terms of of restaurant or, or cafe and and sort of art space. But for a typical house with new wallpaper, floors, toilet, bathroom, kitchen. On the slightly more expensive side, a million yen per ten square meters. Okay. okay so ten square meters. Yeah. So a yeah. hundred square a hundred square meter house is say with ten million yen. You can do it more cheaply, say seven million. And of course, you can do it cheaper than that. But a lot of it will be the the toilet, the bathroom, the kitchen. These wet appliance areas are what end up being costly. Wallpaper is not so much, to be honest. Um, so it depends on how much needs to be done there, especially if it's a million, if it's like a hundred, uh, how, how many square meters is this property? So this, I have it up now. It says 147 square meters. Is, is it a two-story or three-story property? It's two-story. And on top of that, um, it has, oh, is that the land? Oh, shoot. The, the land, okay, so the land itself is 143, but I guess the actual front house is two stories, it's 147. And then behind that, there's a storage space that comes with it, which is not in the PDF, but it's a CUDA, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, yeah, so look, just based on the size of that house, like, you know, if you know what, it's, it feels a bit strange. 140 square meters in UTNG for a million dollars feels a bit cheap. Uh, to be honest, is it, and then the next one is how old is the house? It says 1972 from February. <laughs> um, is that is that no rebuild allowed on that property? Is it safe oh, to put um, that? And a good way to tell is if it's if this is it on a road or is it like a rear property that's behind another house? Is it like a flagpole type? It's, um, it's so it's kind of um, I don't know if you've been to Utenji before, but um, if you go out on the station, there's kind of a little. Stamachi that's sort of dying at the moment mm-hmm. and it's on that it's just two minutes away from the station and in fact the train tracks are right behind the building it's the okay. property itself okay so the, the one one concern um is from the road where you drive the car to get to the house if if there's if the access path sometimes there's a driveway you know there's maybe two houses one property is at the front the second property is actually located behind the front house. Mm-hmm. Okay, like two separate plots of land. Yeah. And sometimes for the rear property, there's a driveway to, mm-hmm. to go to the back, if the, or it's a path. If that's less than two meters wide, you can't rebuild on this block of land, mm. right? And it's called Saiken Chikufuka. Mm-hmm. And properties that are Saiken Chikufuka, the, the land square meterage is um, about 25 to 50% cheaper. So mm. it sounds, if it's 140 square meters, um, it sounds like it could, in Utenji, it sounds like it could be a block like that um, uh, 
where a lot of it is um, where maybe the path to the front road is less than two meters wide. If it's more than two meters wide or exactly two meters, then and you can rebuild, then the land will be regular land value. Okay, maybe a bit cheaper because of the train tracks, but essentially, if the property burns down, you can rebuild something brand new on it, right? Whereas with a no rebuild allowed property, you can't get permits to rebuild on on the land because the access to the front row too narrow. Um, so that that's, can I and, chime in for a moment? Go ahead, Matt. So I'm curious, why you tend to? Uh, you're Nico. You're working in the creative space. I, I myself have been running a, a entertainment independent music company for about ten years at this point. So I'm highly invested in in creative, right? Um, mm-hmm. Why why Utenji? That that just doesn't compute for me. <laughs> well, at the moment, you know, because I I did look at properties in Jiugaoka and Nakameguro, for example, and Daikanyama, and those are just unattainable. I just can't. I don't. I mean, those are way more. Um, well, but, but again, from from like the creative point of view, why Nakameguro? Why? I mean, Nakameguro sort of makes sense. Like Kanyama, I mean, unit maybe, but there's there's really not too much going on there so far as the creative space is concerned. So far as I know, anyway, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I'm I'm curious what your decision process is on this because um, as a creative, as somebody who deals with all of this, I I don't know anybody who bothers working. So, uh, can I ask which part of Tokyo? Do you you live in Tokyo? Uh, I've lived in Tokyo for about eight years. I currently live in Yukawara, uh, near okay. Atami. I see. Oh, okay. Um, so, I live in uh, Setagaya, uh, close to Komazawa Park. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been, I mean, I've been in Japan for about 12 years myself. And okay. um, I've lived in the, the eastern region of Japan, in Koto. And I didn't find that to be very, um, I don't know, creative, I, I guess. Is, I don't know if that's the mm, word, agreed. but it didn't, it didn't seem very friendly. Um, right, right, right. There, I see, I find that the, the I guess from my perspective, uh, one, a lot of the majority of um, foreign residents tend to live on the western side of Tokyo. Um, not that I'm targeting them only. But hmm. also there are some, like Shibuya is sort of a creative area, uh, Harajuku as well. But the problem is that those prices are not really affordable. But I noticed that some people are, you know, they're starting to migrate out of those spaces because, um, yes. I mean, Harajuku has kind of changed over time. It's not the same as it was like in the early 2000s and the 90s. Right. Um, Ogikubo is actually a really good area right now. For oh, yeah. And then uh, Shimokutazawa as well. But um, the reason why I, the, one of the reasons why I'm looking at a place kind of like Yutenji um, was mostly the one is that it's proximity to where I live. Um, yep. And also the other reason is that I actually am in contact with quite a few people, um, you know, in part of this group. And they are also kind of saying the same thing as I am is uh, Western. Tokyo in this area seems to be in, in this case, best. and especially since Corona started, West is best. Uh, everything again from my perspective, I could be you know totally without um, other people informing me about this, but everything that I've seen thus far, creative as well as real estate, is things are moving west. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that um, that kind of gut feeling that you have and you've been hearing about is I I would support that. Uh huh. Um, additionally, um, I did visit Utenji recently, and it looks like it's 
it's dying, but um, <laughs> there's a lot. That of just means there's opportunity there. <laughs> that means there's, yeah, but I, that also means there's opportunity there, and hopefully, um, since it is right next door to Nacamegro, it's actually walkable from Nacamegro that I felt it was for. Um, if it, yeah, you're right. If opportunity. If yeah. it's walkable from Nacamegro, that is. Nakamegaro is a decent spot. It's not the best, but it's certainly decent for the creative space, even, you know, after, what is it, like a year and a quarter of coronavirus. There's still things going on there, in the art, music, everything. Um, so, yeah, if it's walkable from there, um, yeah, I, I actually support that. You sort of turned my, my opinion around on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, that was my way of thinking. Um, so, um, I mean, it doesn't have to be you, Tenji. I just happened to find this spot. Well, and so the, the other interesting thing, though, um, as Emil and Ziv were commenting on, is, you know, price-wise, just within Tokyo anywhere, right, is going to be super-duper expensive, no matter what. Right. <clears throat> um, and down here in Iguata, near Atami, I know people who are buying, have bought up Yokan, full Yokan, multi-story, multi-room, gigantic Yokan, uh, and are currently converting them into uh, artist-in-residency spaces, Right. Um, that is a thing. I don't know if I'd call it a trend just yet, but I certainly know right now four people come to mind uh, that are doing this just in the autumn, the greater autumn period. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, I know, but um, the other argument is um, accessibility because a majority yep. of foreigners do live in Tokyo and um, they do have these sort of creative spots, you know, for example, in Ome in Tokyo. Um, in Saitama, for example, as well, and, and also in Yokohama, or even Kanagawa. Yeah, but um, the people that live in Tokyo, they don't want to go that far. So I'm trying to find a solution, um, hopefully in Tokyo, and um, that's that, that, that's my current way of thinking. So, Mika, I, I do want, like, there's a few points to, to look at. Um, I did just send you an Instagram message, if you can just oh, send yes. me the link, so I can, I can have a look at it, but... Um, in sort of general speak, right, there's when you want to buy a property in Tokyo. So my, yep. my focus generally is on residential houses, residential properties. Um, okay. One thing is you need to look at the zoning. Are you able to make this a cafe? Are you actually able to run a business out of this? So zoning is one issue. Um, but then the, let's assume that you are. The next one is, though, uh, is financing. Because we're not talking about just a few million yen. It's more like, you know, 100 million yen. Um, it's, okay, do you want to get bank financing or not? And then if it's yes, there's two ways you can approach it. Is it going to be your primary residence? If so, then you can try to get a, uh, a home loan for it, a jutaku loan. Uh-huh. However, in order to, and that's what I was talking before, you can borrow about seven times your annual gross household annual income, assuming you don't have any other debts, because that will, of course, impact your borrowing capacity. Um, and you can also borrow the renovation costs as part of that. Um, depends on your, you know, your, you have a Japanese name, so I presume you're a Japanese nationality. No, actually, no, I'm American. No, okay, uh, okay, um, all right. Well, well, depending if you have permanent residency or what have you, um, you may be, or how long you've been in Japan, how long you've been employed, you can still get 100% financing or maybe 80% financing. Um, but again, uh, and int- sorry, interest rates will be under 1%, about 0.6, 0.7% is what we're seeing now for uh, home loans. Um, but to, to also be part of, considered a home loan, 50% or more of the property has to be for your personal residence. So it's a two-story house. Mm-hmm. Let's say the whole top floor 
um, you know, it's you said about 100, about 140 square meters. Let's say um, uh, 70 square meters is your primary residence, and 70 square meters is for this space of of, uh, of um, the the art, the the creative space and, and cafe. Uh-huh. Then, as long as it's over 50 percent is your primary residence, then you can still get the whole thing under a a uh, a home loan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if it's going to be if that's not the case, or it's a hundred percent sort of a business kind of a, approach and not going to be your primary residence, you need to look at a, a, a uh, um, an investment loan, and that will look that will be more along the lines of twenty to forty percent down payments. And okay. So the bank will only give you sixty to eighty percent, and interest rate will be about two percent or so. Anywhere from like one point eight is like the cheaper investment loan, but one point eight to like three percent. Okay. Um, they need to provide the full business model. That's just for the property, and then renovation costs. As I said, for I have don't have experience with like restaurant or cafe fitouts or gallery fitouts, so I don't know. I can't speak to that. But in terms of a house, what I can speak to is, you know, a good rule of thumb for someone who just wants to get a renovation company to come and do the work, and that doesn't really involve any architectural architectural work because it's not a redesign of the property. It's really just, you know, maybe one wall will come down. Right, that's mm-hmm. not structural, but not any doesn't include any architectural work. About a million yen per ten square meters. Maybe you get it to a bit cheaper than that, but if you're looking at a hundred and forty square meter place, you know it's going to be over ten million yen of just renovation costs. Again, mm-hmm. for a house, for a shop fit out or gallery space fit out, um, I can't really speak to that. Um, that's out, out of my my friends. My friends in that space seem to uh, think that to bring a place up to speed from scratch if it's a reasonably sized space and I, I think maybe what Miko is talking about is a bit bigger than your average um, restaurant or bar but for a, a, like a medium sized or, or slightly on the big side restaurant or bar they seem to think that it's about 50,000 US to um, to deck it out okay 50,000 if it were as big as like uh, it's about 150 square meters so that it would be about that much um, no, smaller than that. So I think they were referring to a place that seats about 25, maybe 35 people at most. I see. Um, okay. So I'm guessing about 30 square or so, maybe 40, 50 at most. Um, mm-hmm. But then they're talking about the full comfortable seating and the bar and uh, and the yeah. cookie, cooking facilities and so forth. So maybe adjust based on whatever you're planning to do there. Uh, Emil, do you want to maybe do a quick reset? we got a lot more people in the audience now. Uh- uh, just uh, just before we get on to the, uh, do the reset, Miko, thank you. You, uh, you just sent me the shot. Okay, one of the things to keep in mind for this property that you just sent, it's um, it's leased land. Okay, then, then oh, now okay. I understand why it's so. Why now I understand why it's cheap. It says for that. that so, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's um, it's uh, lease. It's a leasehold, so you have to pay the monthly land land rent is right. um, one hundred twenty-seven thousand. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. I did see. Yeah. I did. Um, I I have a friend who's a real estate agent, and she did mention that um, there was a lease. There was a lease land fee on top of the mortgage. Well, that that puts you on the uh, that puts you at the mercy of the landowner, though. That they can decide at any uh, time that you need to clear off. No. Um, Look. Yeah, uh, yes and no. This is the old lease. Uh, this is um, thirty years, but it's an old lease contract. So you might be able to renew automatically. Um, and unless the the property is in a state of disrepair, um, the the 
landowner may not be able to reject a renewal, similar to a typical lease. Um, and see. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't say how much. I don't see exactly how much time, how many years are remaining on this um, current lease. The actual thing, I think it said it was, oh, how much was it? Fifteen years of leased land value, mm-hmm. and then apparent, and then and my friend she mentioned um, that after that the the lease would go away, and then I would only have to pay the mortgage after that. Uh, I, don't I understand. would look into that. Yeah, I don't. I'm, uh, she's Japanese, and she's um, she's getting her uh, her license is on the way for being a food food sanya, But um, that that that's what she mentioned to me. I think. I can, can you just repeat it. that? Can you just repeat? I, I I kind of missed what you said. Can you repeat what you said about? She the, said, "Okay, so I see. I asked her about that, and." Um, she said property rental fee is um, 127,000 yen. That's right. 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 It'll decrease, no, uh, and then for the re- remaining of the fifteen years, it'll be um, of the lease. It'll be twenty-eight thousand point two month, and for the, the that that's the remainder apparently of the of the, the lease. Then yeah, need you yeah twenty-eight month need you So right now it's one hundred twenty-seven thousand yen, and it's going to go. It sounds like it's going to go change at one stage to two hundred eighty thousand yen. Emil, I was going to ask: Do the banks actually approve uh, mortgages for leaseholders? So, so, so the other, yeah, the other thing to keep in mind is: so some banks will be strict on. So some banks don't do leased land. Some properties, some banks will do leased land, but they won't. This one, it's like it's the. It says it's the old QHOR. It's the old lease contract type, which is the strongest strength for the the tenants. All right, some of the new ones you can't actually renew. Like you just forfeit the land and the building at the end of it. Um, but this one is, if it's one of the stronger ones, then um, the bank can actually loan you the full 35-year term if it's for residential. However, um, some banks, what's also common is they say, look, you have you know, 20 years remaining on the lease. Even though you can potentially renew it, we're only going to give you a loan for the remaining 20 years. So instead of giving a typical 35-year home loan, they'll give you a 20, it's based on a 20-year term, which significantly reduces the amount that you can borrow. Because instead of having 35 years to pay, you only have 20 years. So your monthly repayment is, doesn't change, um, but the borrowing capacity will be reduced by almost half, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah so that, that's something else. Look, so look, whether this property is the right one or not, it's just, it feels like, it's an extra issue. The, the property itself looks like it's on a nice street. It is a shopping, like a short-term, um, uh, so a shogyo uh, zoned place. So you can actually also build the, the cafe or whatnot. You should be able, okay for this particular zoning. Um, but yeah, when you said uh, that size for 100 million yen in Yutenji, I knew it did feel much too cheap. Um, but I guess that's why. Okay. All right. Thank you for your um, advice and uh, yeah, and and uh, long, you know, a little bit, a little, little bit longer. But thank you. <laughs>
No, no, that's that, that's fine. I'm happy to help. And so we can give you, I guess, a clearer answer, but just based on yeah, what you've said, um, uh, that's this extra complexity because it's least, it's a it's a least land um, so scenario. Just as a follow up, um, so she, so as my friend said, that after that, twenty years is up, and then the Nakori is Jugonian. Does that mean um, I would become the owner and I wouldn't be kicked out of the property? No, 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 not at all. So that's, I was a bit confused by that. So the the, the next twenty years, the, in, the you said the payment is going to be the hundred and twenty-seven thousand yen a month of what the current land lease is, but then in after that twenty years is up, the remaining another fifteen years, it goes up to two hundred and eighty thousand yen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, don't, I can't. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of didn't understand that, but essentially no. Like with lease land, is always lease land. You don't you're not going to get ownership. At, at some stage of it, unless you buy it from the seller, but it's not built into the contract. Okay. Yeah. So right. I yeah. think so just, just, I... just yeah. you want to re-clarify your understanding, mate. Uh, you're not going to own it at any stage. You're not going to own it at any stage, and lease and rental uh, the land rental fee is not going to be free at any stage. Okay. All right. Thanks. So for just re-clarify what she meant or her understanding. Or your understanding of what she's in here. Okay, all right. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. This is entirely too complex. Too complex. All right. Well, um, I, I mean, I, it's not. It's just the first good one that I found. I'm sure there will be others, but yeah. Thank you. <laughs> good luck, though. Good luck. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely helped that yeah, come coming into this space. Like, it, this is a, a an open kind of discussion, and we share our sort of points and. You may disagree with us at the end of it, or you may end up going ahead with it. Uh, but yeah, we just try to share our insight and give you a different perspective um, or some other um, potential, you know, caveats um, or things to consider when when looking at these at these properties. So hopefully mm-hmm. it was uh, beneficial. Oh no, yeah, that um, that's very good because um, you know otherwise um, my friend would have to tell me in Japanese, and I'd probably miss some of the points she's trying to make. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, I am going to say, what is kind of common for people that want a bit of a gallery space um, or an art place like this is because financing is, is challenging. Um, again, I don't know what your existing house is like, but it, people will rather buy their personal house and make the first floor the art or gallery space and live up top. That way they can purchase the whole property. But again, you said you already live um, in the area, you already have a property. So if you already own that, you're, if you already own a separate property, it will be difficult to get a uh, typical home loan for a, for another property. Yeah, um, we live in a, a, a mansion right now. So um, we're owners of this of our mansion space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've been controlling, I put in my business mindset is, you know, if, if you've done this kind of work before, this kind of space, then... Sure, go ahead and, and, you know, if you're familiar with the business side of it, yeah, go ahead and buy it. But otherwise, maybe just try renting and doing a store. Like, and that way, if it works, great. You can then consider purchase or what have you. But what if it doesn't work? You know, you're stuck with this, you, you're stuck with a million-dollar property. Well, not stuck, but the, 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 the exit costs could be significant. But that's the other thing with the lease land is that your uh, resale value is going to probably drop over time rather than increase, even if the um, area you're purchased in is doing well overall, because it's not freehold land, the, the, 
value of the land is not a factor anymore and then the, the resale value of the property is generally going to be declining. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, they are, I was looking to buy because um, I was also looking at rentals and um, uh, Iniki Hompo also, for example, but they all had um, a lot of like six months of um, payment up front of the rent and then the rent on top of that was something like Yonjuman or more for a very small space, which is not what I was looking for. So yeah, I, 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 I'm still trying to figure it out, but it is also something to consider. Yeah, see how you go. But do invite us once you, uh, once you um, uh, get something up and running for the, the yeah. party. Yeah, no, no matter what happens, I'll be happy to visit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, as long as that holds the ball. Um, yeah, and yeah, dude, like you got me on Instagram now, so just do send, send me a DM if you have any other questions or any other properties that you look at that you want to um, me just to, to scan the, the flyer. I'll be happy to, to help out. Thank you. Um, let, let me do a quick room reset. Um, thanks everyone for joining uh, Japan Real Estate Club, um, and we are talking uh, property purchases, real estate property purchases in Japan, be it your personal residence uh, or an investment property or an akia. Um, out in the middle of, of wherever it is that Matt wants to deal with. Uh, all, all middle of nowhere. That's <laughs> really? the, the correct term is middle of nowhere. Fuck <laughs> but, but, but nowhere is what we say in Australia. Um, but, uh, exactly, but, exactly. <laughs> sure. uh, if anyone has any questions in the audience, please feel free to push the hand raise icon and uh, one of us will be able to answer your questions. So I am Emil. I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo. I help uh, individuals um, and on families buy their personal family home. Uh, Ziv on my on my right is a uh, a buyer's advocate. He helps investors purchase investment properties around Japan. Um, Matt works with Akia, so uh, um, uh, abandoned uh, vacated properties in in middle of nowhere um, that you've often heard about. There can be uh, maybe some very very good finds as you uh, if you like or a holiday house or whatever other purpose you may wish. And Tracy uh, right below me, who is the uh, Minpaku, short-term rental uh, queen. She can answer any questions you have about short-term stay, um, uh, Airbnb-style um, uh, rentals or property management. That's what she does. She consults and she's also a property manager. So yeah, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to raise your hand and you can come up and uh, ask. Oh, we've got, uh, okay, Amy-san has, Amy has raised her, her hand. So, Hello, Amy. Thank you for coming up. Yes, thank you for having me. Well, uh, I I was oh, Nico oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, actually, I was there uh, when Nico was uh, looking for the guilt, uh, built a guilt uh, for the creators, and then uh, she was talking about the Utenji uh, properties as well at the time, and uh, I didn't realize that uh, yeah, that was the um, that that type of old one. <laughs> I just heard that you know the. It's a large place and then near the station. So, well, I thought, oh, okay, that, that sounds great. But, uh, well, yeah, after hearing all the, you know, the details about it, I just wondered, you know, the, if you're looking for the, well, I'm not the professional like you, you, you guys, but uh, I just wondered, you know, the commercial area uh, versus uh, residential area, it's it always, you know, the commercial area is a little bit higher you know, uh, price than the residence area. And then as long as, you know, the um, Miko's business is only the 
the cafe and the, the rental area for the creators and then uh, just to, you know, the yeah, creators area so that, you know, it doesn't need to be in a commercial area. So I just wondered, you know, in that case, in that type of case, maybe better look for the residential area uh, near the commercial area. That would be the better choice. I just wondered, and then if you have any uh, insights about the difference between the zones, the residential and commercials, then maybe good advice for her. I just wondered. Yeah. So the different zones is this. You know, residential is restricted, the Jukyo Senyor Chiki, there's a restricted residential, and then it goes to non-restricted residential, um, and then there's uh, less, how it works in Japan is there's less and less restrictions as as you progress. So the Jukyo Senyor Chiki is the strictest one, and that is residential only. You cannot operate a business, like you can't have a cafe in that area. Oh, just okay. Gonna, All right. Yeah, you you can't just open a cafe or a restaurant at, at any place, um, uh, or or like a, a a language school or something like that. It's only for strict residential only. And then you have, and what happens as you go to the less restricted zones? Um, I don't remember all the names uh, in in detail, but uh, like there's just Jukyo Chiki. It's not Jukyo Senyor Chiki. It's not a restricted residential. It's just residential. Um, if you look at the list, it's like, okay, um, there's a bunch of different things, like, for example, a uh, hotel, Uriyoka, um, or the, the small inn or Minpaku stuff, uh, Minpaku-related properties, um, uh, all the way to, like, cafes, restaurants, um, uh, you know, manufacturing, uh, office, offices, etc. As you go down, you can slightly get, you, you can operate more and more businesses. So it doesn't. So in a in a commercial district, you can actually do almost any type of of structure. You can have a residential. Like residential will go into almost anything. So you can have a living residence almost any uh, in any kind of zoning. Okay. So how it works is in Japan is as you get more. So I'll just repeat it one more time. I mean, as you get. Um, to the more relaxed zones, for example, a, a sh uh, like a shotengai, a shopping commercial district, you can put almost any kind of property, probably outside of manufacturing. I think um, construction manufacturing you may not be able to do, but you can put lots of other kind of stuff, like even a mechanic workshop, etc., inside that that zoning, including residential. Um, so what you need to find is the zoning the, the, that will allow. Um, cafe area and the strict residential is not going to be that. I think many of the residential ones will not allow cafeteria, cafe or restaurant type space. Um, um, well, yeah, I just saw that several uh, cafes in, a, in the middle of the residence area, which is not that, uh, you know, the commercial shops around there. So I just wondered, <laughs> yeah, it could be okay. But sometimes you see the restaurant as well, but maybe it's not the Fully restricted one, maybe the June, June something, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, one then. Yeah, like Daishu Jukyo Chiki. Yeah, I'm not sure if you can do residential. I know you can do like a ryokan in those areas because they're not restricted. But again, it's for people to stay there, right? It's for people to live or to, to stay um, and sleep in those areas. It's not for people to 
have food and dining. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you just need to make sure, that, and especially like around Yutenji area, for example, even though there's a lot of houses, I think, and for those little cafes, they'll need to be in the right zone. So not just any residential can be that. Um, and so if you check the, the list, go to the ward office and check, you know, what uh, on the, the uh, Yoto Chiki, um, like uh, maybe like Yoto Chiki Seigen, like, you know, zoning restrictions, um, maybe they'll have a list of what you can operate in which zones and just look, okay, for cafe, this is this is the minimum sort of zoning I need um, to be able to, to run a cafe in this area is how I would do it. Okay, yeah, well, uh, yeah, thank you. Well, I didn't know about the, how to dis, uh, distinguish, but yeah, maybe yeah, they are... But uh, yeah, but uh, at least uh, therefore the Nikos Yudinch uh, uh, property, yeah, sounds like uh, too too good to be uh, too good price <laughs> to to do something. Yeah, I just wondered. Yeah, look, with the lease land, look, I mean, lease land is not terrible. Um, it just uh, like it's it's cheaper because it's a lease contract. You're paying for the lease rights. Like the rental rights, which have a value, of course, but you don't, you won't, you don't have ownership, um, and so it's cheaper because the market value is less. It's less attractive to people, and so when you sell it, it's going to be cheaper as well. Um, but I think in this case, it doesn't sound like Nico is looking to make a capital profit on it. She's just looking for a facility to run a business out of. Um, so it may it may make sense in that way, and also you know the. the the rental payment and what have you is is going to be a tax deductible business expense um, because yeah. it's essentially lease lease cost. So there are some benefits to it. Definitely. Yeah, um, I'm not looking to resell um, because it is supposed to be a community center. Um, I don't know about the benefits of registering as an NPO yet. I'm still looking into that, but that's probably for a different talk. But. Uh, it, it might have to be just for the sake of simplicity, be something like a um, kabushikaisha in, in the end, like in the future. But um, uh, yeah, reselling is currently not on my mind uh, at the moment. I think when, when we talk about resale, it's not necessarily a profit or a business strategy, it's just a matter of uh, exit strategy. So, what happens? if and when for any reason the business doesn't work or your life circumstances might change and mm-hmm. you don't really have anything to do with that particular property anymore, then at least you want to try to get some of your capital back and not just have it all as sunk costs. That's what we're referring to by resale. I see. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, in that case, that is something to think about. Um, but, yeah, I am, other than other than the exit strategy, I am looking to um, keep it for the long term as long as possible. So, yeah. Yep, understood. And Emil, I've just noticed um, we've got some people in the audience who are actually not in Japan. So if anyone's got any questions about um, the process of buying or financing or investing or holiday homes that are not specific um, not specifically related to people who live in Japan. If you've got questions about how to do all of these things as remote buyers or remote owners of properties, then we can definitely advise on that as well. Feel free to raise your hand and come up to the stage. And, and Amy, so while, whilst we do wait for some people to raise their hand, um, I just searched online. So if you, 
do a Google search for Yoto Seigen uh, uh, Ichiran. You'll see, I'll say for the different types of Tokpita, uh, Yoto um, Seigen Ichiran. It's a list of what the restrictions are based on the different zoning. Um, if you want to have a store, what kind of store and the size of your store, if you want to have an office, if it's a hotel, etc., it will say, you know, for each zoning, you'll have like a maru or batsu or some conditions. Um, and for the cafe, you can see if, uh, if, um, yeah, I should uh, get out. Yeah. So if yeah, anyone else would like to come up, please push the hand raise icon and you can uh, bring you up to come and uh, answer some of your questions. I just want to say to Emmy that I sent her a message in Instagram. So thank you. All right. Yeah. Um, if no one else got a question, I got a question um, that's probably more directed towards uh, Matt. Um, we've got a... Let's do it. We've got a, a customer who's recently purchased a holiday home um, out in, uh, well, from, from the Tokyo Heights perspective, it's probably in Aka, like in Hita Prefecture, down in Kyushu. And um, he's looking at other properties as well. And some of the things that he regularly runs into when he's um, investigating them is that um, because of the size of the land that they're sitting on, parts of the land are classified as farmland, which means that you have to belong to the local farmers association and be qualified to actually own them. And since he's, I mean, he, he's a bit of a hobby farmer, but he's definitely not looking at the properties for that purpose. So he's asked, and from my understanding, the legal and practical side of um, dividing up, like if he wants to just buy the, um, the property itself, plus a bit of land that's not going to be classified as farmland, it's not really um, a, a challenging procedure to just separate the um, the the right. title the title deeds into a few separate parcels, and then the owner can hang on um, to the uh, excess land, if you can call it that, and then they can sell the other parts of the property or the other title deeds as standard properties. Am right. I right in telling him that? Like that, the only yeah. challenge is really so, convincing the seller to do that. Right. So, for example. Um, I am associates with some people right on the outskirts of Karuizawa, which if by this point you haven't recognized, I, I'm kind of anti-Karuizawa, but the outskirts are great. Um, they're in the same exact situation, right? Uh, what happens in that municipality is that they generally just don't really care, right? The main reason for designating you know, farmland with a capital F versus, you know, residential or anything uh, aside from farmland is that you're going to be, sell, you're, you're making produce, you're, you're operating a business, right? Um, and so on the outskirts of Karuizawa, they have farmland, but they are not licensed to be farmers. What they do is they grow their own food, <laughs> right? That's pretty much it. And occasionally, you know, they'll give somebody a bushel of of you know, corn or whatever it is that they're growing. Uh, that's if the local farmer union actually allows them to join under that sort of thing, right? Precisely. And so th this does kind of to me seem a bit of a cop-out, but it is the truth in that, you know, it, it does depend on, on where you are and what the farmer's union wants, what the municipality wants. 
things like that. There are certainly cases of it not being an issue. There are certainly cases of it being a very big issue. There are also certainly cases of it being kind of an issue, but if you can sort of, you know, weasel your way through it, it's not much of one. Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, really, I'd want to talk to the person to see what is actually up with their particular circumstances. But te technically speaking, let's say that the f local farmers union is um, really strict on having serious farmers only. There isn't anything limiting him from uh, assuming the owner or the seller agrees. There's nothing limiting them from splitting up the title deeds and um, no. right. No. Yes, that's correct. Okay, that was that was all for me. So I guess, um, Emil, if nobody else has any questions or wants to discuss anything in particular, we can probably start wrapping it up. We've been at it for an hour or 20 minutes now. Sure. All right. That sounds good. Go ahead. I'll let you guys wrap it up. Yep. So thanks, everyone. We're doing this every Wednesday at 1.30. And if anyone's got a private um, discussion that they want to have, and they're not um, too keen on having it on the public stage or um, being recorded, feel free to click on our bios. So again, Emil is a real estate agent in Tokyo dealing mainly in family homes. Um, I myself deal mainly in investment and holiday homes anywhere in Japan. And Matt does Akia and abandoned homes. And Tracy, uh, did I just see your microphone flicker over there? Yes, you did. Can you hear me? <laughs> we can. Um, I just wanted to put a plug in for, for me. Um, I've just, uh, you saw it yesterday, Ziv. I've just finished my um, magic calculator. So if you're ever wanting to know how much money uh, you can earn uh, in Minpapu in Japan on all different size houses, on all different size properties, um, I've actually just created a little calculator. So, um, you know, just uh, send me a DM and I can, I can walk you through it just in case you want to know if the numbers make sense for you. So that's my little plug for the day. Yep. So Tracy, if you haven't figured it out yet, is the short-term stay queen. She does everything to do with short-term stays and guests and Airbnb type leases. So feel free to click on any of our profiles and either send us a message or just follow us if you want to be notified about the room again. And we're always happy to talk shop um, offline as well. And if anyone else has anything to ask, raise your hands quickly. Otherwise, we'll probably wrap up in a minute or two. So thanks everyone for joining. So there you go. If you're still with us, um, congratulations to you. That was a super deep dive uh, into some of the more creative and unusual aspects of Japan's real estate property market. Definitely one of the more interesting Q&A sessions that I remember here on the podcast. So I hope you found value in it. And if you'd like to join us again, we're on Clubhouse every Wednesday on the Japan Real Estate Room, which is in the Japan Real Estate Club. Really easy to find. Um, and again, there's now also a Facebook live stream at the same day and time. Japan Real Estate is the uh, business page. And uh, you can just look for a Japan real estate uh, live stream event on Wednesdays. You're not gonna, there's not going to be many of those. And we can take your questions there on Facebook as well uh, via written comments and float those to the panel for answering via audio, which we've already done in the past few weeks. Some really good questions coming up on Facebook as well. And if you can't make it on that particular time slot, but you do have questions that you'd like to ask, yeah, feel free to mail your questions in as well on info at nippontradings.com. That's N-I-P-P-O-N tradings with an S dot com or one word info at nippontradings.com or simply via commenting on this episode, wherever you might have found it. And we will make sure to answer them for you on the next session. 
Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you are already in Japan on some sort of a more temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, and also if you're considering setting up a local company or branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiry, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners and our clients. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com, all one word, and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, wherever you're tuning in from. Or just drop us a line in the comments section or wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoshiku. Yoshiku.